Thank you for joining us for this episode of Turf Dudes brought to you by Harrell's. This is your host, Jack Harrell III. Our Turf Dudes are reaching out to industry leaders and game changers to discuss what they're seeing out there. Topics focus on turf health, nutrition, control solutions, and the latest in academic research. You can subscribe to us on iTunes and Google Play Music or tune in directly at www.turfdudes.com. Send us your questions to at TurfDudes on Twitter or by email to TurfDudes at Heralds.com. TurfDudes is spelled T-U-R-P-H-D-U-D-E-S. In today's episode, sponsored by Bayer, Dr. Schneider, Harold's Director of Agronomy, hosts a roundtable discussion with six top turf dudes. Herbicide resistance was the main focus with additional information about fungicide resistance. Guests include Dr. Burt McCarty, Professor of Horticulture at Clemson University, Dr. Fred Yelverton, Professor of Crop Science at NC State, Dr. Brandon Horvath, Assistant Professor of Turfgrass Pathology at the University of Tennessee, and Dr. Rob Golombowski and Lawrence Mudge of the Bayer Crop Science Green Solutions team. One of the topics we talked about earlier today, herbicide resistance. You know, that potentially something, uh, you know, significantly facing our industry. And it's something that we need to talk about, talk about strategies. What can guys do to minimize herbicide resistance? And let me start with you, Dr. Yelverton. You you were pretty passionate earlier about herbicide resistance. Uh, You know, give us your thoughts. Give us the scope of the potential problem as it relates to uh, herbicide resistance. Well, I think herbicide resistance first started to become a problem back in the early 90s. and uh, I think uh, one of the, not, not the first incident in turf, but one of the most significant was uh, dinitroanilin uh, resistant goosegrass uh, down at Pinehurst. Um, and that was, again, not the first, because we have uh, ryegrass resistance on roadsides and some other things. And, and, and we also had it in field crops. Uh, there was a goosegrass resistance uh, to dinitroanilins, I think uh, dated back to about the early 80s. So um, we've had sporadic cases, and I think it, it got a little more significant in the mid-90s when we had uh, triazine resistance to, uh, or, or poannual resistance to triazine herbicides. And about that time, we started talking about it a lot. and. Unfortunately, as we sit here in 2018, herbicide resistance is uh, has gotten worse, and you could make a, I think, a very valid argument that resistance, not just with herbicides but with fungicides and insecticides, is arguably the the number one issue in turf grass uh, management as we as we sit here today. Herbicide resistance keeps getting worse and worse, and um, now we've got some really bad situations um, with POA annua mostly. And let me just say something about POA annua. Um, I, I think with the genetic diversity in POA annua that it's, it'll be a very safe assumption to say that POA will become resistant to any herbicide if we overuse it or any mode of action. So we really, um, I think it's time to really get serious about uh, herbicide resistance management strategies or we're going to be in a, you know, a real uh, bind here in a few years. Some people already are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it mo- it's mostly in Bermuda grass putting greens mm-hmm. uh, with POA. So I think it's time we really 
got aggressive and, and, and as an industry and talked about how we can uh, prevent resistance from, from building up. Excellent. So you mentioned cola as a potential uh, weed that's may have resistance. Dr. McCarty, any other any other weeds uh, that that you know are falling on your radar? Well, there are several other ones, but I think goosegrass is the next biggest one to poa. It's not quite as genetically diverse, but we do have some pretty good diversity in it, and uh, we've got isolated instances, like Fred said, in DNA herbicides and then uh, with some other products like oxidized uncontained products and as well as post-mercial herbicides. And so it, I believe, is gonna be just as important or near as important as Poana in, in the future uh, as far as herbicide resistance is concerned. Okay, so we got Poana, goosegrass. What's the best method for minimizing herbicide resistance? What are we talking about here in terms of strategies? Well. I think it's important to really just um, just to, I think to understand how to manage resistance it I think it's important just to take a minute or two and talk about how resistance develops in the first place because I think if what I always tell turf grass managers that if they understand just the real basics of resistance then the solutions really become quite quite obvious uh, so basically what you have is, um, ba basically when you have resistance, it's nothing more than a, a selection pressure due to a herbicide. So let's suppose you had a million poannual plants on a golf course, and let's just say there was one plant out there that had the ability to become resistant to triazine herbicides. Um, and so if you continue to use that herbicide, same mode of action uh, every year, and you don't use anything else, then all you do is you wipe out that susceptible population and you select for that one plant that was out there originally. And over time, because that plant can reproduce and drop seed, now that, that resistant biotype is the one that predominates on the golf course. So it's real easy to see that when you have, when you understand it, when you when you look at it in those terms, all you have to do to break the resistance cycle is to use different modes of action. Different modes of action. Right. So there are several ways to use different modes of action in turf grass management. One is you rotate herbicides from year to year. Let's say you use uh, triazine herbicides on POA if we just want to use that as a as as a case study here, I guess. So let's say you use triazine herbicides for say three or four years, and then every fourth or fifth year you put in Curb or Revolver or Monument or something, something with a different mode of action. Um, that, will, that will break the resistance cycle. Think about that one plant that was out there. Uh, if that plant starts to spread, then you put in a different <laughs> mode of action. It's not gonna be resistant <laughs> to a different mode of action. Mm -hmm. It develops the mode of uh, resistance to uh, that a specific mode of action. Now, I do need to say there are cases around the world where there's what we would call multiple resistance, where it's resistance to, resistant to multiple uh, uh, modes of action. But I'll also say that's pretty rare. That's an extreme, yes. rare case. And, 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 and we may get into that. We may get into that, but I sure hope not. But I think the biggest thing we can do is um, uh, is break up that 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 cycle 
And now, so I mentioned the rotating herbicides. Probably, I think the simplest thing for turf grass managers to, to do is to use uh, multiple modes of action the same year. Uh, so, for instance, if you use simazine um, in, uh, in October, you might come back in November with curb, or you might come back with revolver, or you might come back with money. You, you put in, the point is, you put two different modes of action in there. And, and, and one other thing I'll mention is that the irony, kind of the irony of, of resistance is, the better <coughs> a herbicide is on a particular weed, the more quickly you will develop resistance because you select for that resistant plant faster. So, and, and then the other, the other issue there is that the better a herbicide is, the more there's a tendency to continue using it. So you're, you're talking about post-emergent impacts or uh, I mean are no, there pre-emergent is pre-emergent play a role pre or post pre, pre or, or post. post so you know if you think about it with polo we, in, in, at least in Bermuda and Zoysia we have a lot of options we have uh, we have spectacle uh, which is excellent on polo we have simazine uh, excellent on polo we have curb we have revolver we have the, the sulfonyl ureas we have a lot of chemistry that's that's excellent but what we're not doing a good enough job with is rotating in modes of action and we're just going to have to do more of that i would just say that the the uh the issues that fred's talking about in, in weeds are not unlike what we we've dealt with in fungi and the analogy that i use is that is the first thing that turfgrass managers need to understand is that that when we say selection they're not making a plant resistant that plant is resistant because of a mutation in its genetic code and it's present in the population um, you can go back into herbaria samples bef long before fungicides were even used and find fungicide resistant uh, organisms because they had a mutation that would make them resistant. So, so they're already there. They're already there. They, there's nothing you can do about the fact that they're there. And that's like what, what Fred was saying about the possibility of multi-resistance. It's, it's present. It's at a much lower percentage of the population than a single resistance genotype. So these strategies for how we use materials in a rotational strategy or an alternating strategy is critically important for being able to remove the various genotypes that are in the population. The disadvantage that we have in fungi is that we don't get to see these things. They're microscopic. So we don't see when something survives. The advantage that the folks with weed management have is that if they have a population of poa on their golf course and they see 50 dead plants and there's three alive plants mixed in with those 50 dead plants, that's a pretty good sign that those three plants are one of two things. They're either an escape, and if they're mixed in with all the other dead plants, that's not very likely, or they're resistant. Mm -hmm. And you better make sure that they don't reproduce and populate, as Fred was talking about, and, and drop seeds so that they are a bigger percentage of the population. Let me ask about a couple product rotations. Dr. Rob, Lawrence Mudge, I mean, you guys manage and, and have a portfolio of, of herbicides pre and post emergent. What are some of your recommendations from, you know, from the bear portfolio? Well, like Dr. Yelverton and Dr. McCarty said, um, rotation of mode of action is critical. We're very fortunate in Bayer. We have two very uh, good pre-emergent herbicides effective on both poa and goosegrass. So we have a vested interest to protect these active ingredients and, and 
do a better job being proactive with, with resistance management. So we work collaboratively with universities to, um, to, to get people to deal with resistance. And, you know, if I could just back up a second, too, you know, a lot of what happens in turf grass management um, really is mirrored in the broader agricultural industry. And, you know, herbicide resistance in ag agricultural crops is the number one production issue now in production agriculture in developed countries, not just the United States, but, you know, Europe and Australia and, and Canada for sure. So uh, we really, uh, you, you, I think it herbicide resistance is something that you know we've all talked about it, but uh, I, I think it's a real at a real critical point right now because uh, we have some situations for the first time uh, I think in 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 um, turf grass management that I know of that we really some people are really in a situation now where they're just going to have to renovate their golf greens because they can't control what's there because. They have limited amount. First of all, you, you don't have as many options on on putting greens. And uh, everything they have, they've got resistance to it. So, you know, uh, the, the, what do you do then? Mm -hmm. you, you have you basically just have to renovate it. That's and, the end and that result, is, if you, you've got full-blown resistance, then that's... Yeah, and that, that is not... Acceptance a, or renovation. Blow it up and start over. Dr. Mutt or Lawrence Mutt? Well, I just want to follow up with what Dr. Elfton said about agriculture. They, they have been dealing with resistance issues for, for many, many years. They do have an advantage because in agriculture, they can rotate crops. They can till. They can, they can go from corn, soybeans, yep. and, and they have the ability to have... They have more modes of action of herbicides... Here in turf situation, we're not we're not rotating our, our crop. The crop stays the same. If you've got Bermuda grass greens, we don't rotate every year to bent grass and everything else. So we're at a disadvantage, and we're stuck with the, the existing chemistry we have. I would also add, um, and and Fred and and uh, uh, Dr. McCarty, you can you can chime in here. I, I think one of the the big differences in terms of turf managers and how they manage the different pests that they deal with is that with fungicides, we see a lot of programming that goes into it because they, they think about the multiple diseases that are occurring at different times, but are overlapping across the course of the season. And so they think about, you know, one class of fungicide is good on these two diseases. So they're going to put that out at this time. And then this is really the only disease that's a major issue then. So I'm going to use this other fungicide for that. So they're thinking about how to sequence and how to time these different applications and, and build in some rotation into those. It's not to say that I haven't seen someone putting, you know, QOIs out over and over and over again, but I think that's a big difference. And in, in typically when you think of herbicide applications, you think of your pre, your post, and, and if, and like Fred said earlier, if that, if that herbicide works really well, they don't want to go away from it as a, as a, in, a, in terms of their management to something that may not necessarily, they might not be as familiar with or comfortable with or whatever. And so they avoid doing that rotational strategy that could really benefit this type of strategy. Well, I think too, that it, right, to just take off on that just a little bit, I think basically the, so in, 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 in plant disease circles, you, you have a situation where you're managing um, um, multiple groups of plant pathogens and you guys have done a really good job coming up with, you know, programs. 
typically in weeds, we we have a you know managers turf grass managers think about using a herbicide, uh, a pre-emergence herbicide for crabgrass and goosegrass control, and they don't think about rotating because you really don't need to. Uh, because one herbicide will 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 work on multiple weeds, um, so um, that's a that's another thing that's affecting us in in weeds. I, so if you talk about if you talk to a turfgrass manager about managing crabgrass and goosegrass, basically they will say, well, what is the best herbicide to use? Not what is the best herbicide program to use, mm -hmm. because basically one herbicide will do it. Ronstar will control crabgrass and goosegrass. Uh, uh, Spectacle will do the same. Barricade will. Now, they're, 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 there's pendimethalin. There are differences in their strengths and weaknesses, but basically all of them will, to some degree, control both of those weeds, and that's mostly what we, we pre-emerge for. I just had a question for uh, Dr. Elverton and Dr. McCarty. We've been talking about poannual and goosegrass being the, the ones we're really worried about now. What's coming? What's coming next as far as weed resistance? What's what's the up and coming weeds that we need to be concerned about? Well, I think crabgrass is one as far as post-emergent herbicides. Uh, it's already been documented in isolated areas, and so you would expect that it will continue to evolve and expand over time. And so uh, that's one. Another technology that's been introduced is some glyphosate tolerant turf grasses and that is going to introduce a whole ball of wax of new weeds as herbicide resistance and so I think that's got our attention uh, as another possible problem in the future in the near future for our turf grass managers if we, if they decide to go that route. Another weed I'll mention too we, we, we always need to keep our eye on that's notorious for developing resistance is annual ryegrass. Now we don't have annual ryegrass too much in fairways, and and but we do have it a lot in uh, naturalized areas mm -hmm. on golf courses. Mm -hmm. And um, annual ryegrass is a real, probably a better case uh, worldwide for resistance oh, yeah, than sure. than, yeah. than poa annual. So that's that's another one too. So another one I'll just mention too is poa cure. You know we have a lot of turf grass management, bent grass greens. When is poa cure going to come out? When is poa cure going to come out? Well, I don't know when it's going to come out, uh, but if and when it does, I can guarantee you we're going to be talking about poa cure and something else to control annual bluegrass, not just poa cure, because it will certainly develop resistance to poa cure. Interesting. Let me let me ask Dr. Dr. Brandon. In your world, the fungicide world, how do you guys determine? if a fungicide has a different mode of action relative to another fungicide? Well, so the... What's the easy way for a turf manager to make that so determination? The, the easiest way is to, to look at the uh, the pieces of information that are available. I, I know uh, Paul Vincelli does a really good uh, fungicide uh, listing every year. I know Ohio State does a really good fungicide listing every year. Uh, I think Rick Latin at Purdue does one. Um, and then there's also the Fungicide Resistance Action Council that has both a kind of a graphical periodic table of all fungicides and you can go through and see the different uh, fungicides that are available in turf and as well as other fungicides that aren't available in turf and what class and mode of action that, they have. Is that present on the label? That uh, yes. So on the label, 
you're going to have uh, a little uh, kind of uh, bar that has a listing of what the mode of action is along, along with a number and that number coincides to the mode of action so it's pretty simple using that number to make sure that you're you're using different numbers in terms of those fungicides alternating the numbers. alternating the numbers and and choosing different ones or choosing combination products uh, I will say that one of the one of the frustrations or challenges that we have with the combination products that are so popular these days is that so many times you see them comboed up with the same modes of action. So you see a DMI with a QOI and every manufacturer has one and you see uh, an SDHI uh, comboed up with a QOI or you see these different combos and, and when they're all comboed up with the same kinds of materials, then it's very hard to use these combination products and rotate. And what happens a lot of times is I'll see a, a turf grass manager send me a list and every single application has one particular mode of action Numbers. but they think they're rotating yeah. because they use different brand names and materials right right so you got you, go ahead dr brown the only other thing i would add there is you know fortunately when it comes to turf diseases we have really just five documented diseases that have been found to have resistance and so when it comes to managing as, as uh, dr horvath has, has uh, stated it, it helps because we understand which diseases are most prone to developing resistance and again we can develop management programs or work with superintendents to develop integrated programs to really uh, you know extend the lifespan of those given uh, uh, fungicides Lawrence? let me ask this question though with fungicides and diseases you're making applications a lot repeatedly sure every, every couple of weeks um, w with weeds particularly pre-emergence herbicides we're making a single application yes. or a couple and expecting it to last for you know a long period of time so we're not we don't really have that opportunity to rotate pre-emergence or herbicides like we do with fungicides so with the same intervals it's not the yeah, intervals so are much little, longer so it gets well, a little bit more complicated so then we think about do we need that a post-emergence with a different mode of action with our pre how, how do we work this pre-emergence well, rotation yeah and i think in, in weeds we're going to have to probably take a little bit more of approach like you know our colleagues in in turf disease disease management have done and that's gonna that's gonna cause some heartburn with some people you're um, talking about more program approach more program right? approach, yeah, approach. Right. is it more, more program approach or would it even consist of maybe more frequent applications rotating modes of action at lower I, maybe lower I, use rates yeah i think some of both yeah. i think that's part of the program approach is mixing in different modes of action and what Jason? about what about tank mixing different modes of action? tank mixing different modes of action or making sequential applications mm -hmm. i think in turf grass management that's the in weed management that's the best way to do it because you can and a you know an astute turf manager if he wanted to do it he could use uh you know a pre-emergence herbicide say three years in a row and the fourth year he could use something else that'll work but i just don't think that's has been as popular as it or as easy as mixing in different modes of action in the same calendar year within a season within, within a season, calendar year yeah. whatever your season may be tank yeah. mixtures of different modes of action or sequential application for instance let me just give you well i think i mentioned it earlier let's talk about poa you know we could go through a whole bunch of scenarios uh, in the southern u.s uh, we could say uh, spectacle for poa control and then come back in november with simazine we could talk about um, 
you know, we could talk about simazine and then come back a month later with curb or mix the curb in with it. Uh, you can talk about um, a pre-emergence uh, with, again, you go back to spectacle, you can come back with a revolver or monument. But the, the, I don't care which, you know, it, it, fundamentally it doesn't matter. The order. Just the order, it doesn't matter. What's important is you get two different modes of action in on the, in the same um, poa year, if you will. Yeah, season. Let, season. Season. Let me ask you weed scientists guys this question. It sounds like in the turf pathology world, it's easy to identify what the modes of action are. How do we do that in the the weed science world? Is that on the label? What's a turf manager? How does a turf manager know if one product has a different mode of action than another product? We have tried the numbering system too, yeah. and it just hasn't been uh, successful. Um, I think it's you know I just think it's one of those situations where turf grass managers are simply going to have to to understand what the different modes of actions are. Do their own investigating. Uh, right, and all of questions. us in the industry can certainly help, but there are publications out there. Yeah, I, I mean, like our, our pest control recommendations has yeah, a, pest, a table, and his does too, yeah, uh, where can different modes of actions. Your, your, your pest control recommendations. It's on Turf Files, ours. You can and ours is on our website, and it has a table of all the, motive, all the herbicides, pre and post, and then their modes of action. And yeah. what website is that? It's our Clemson University Pest Control Recommendation Guide website. There you go. <laughs> Put all that in Google. Dot com. Thank you again for joining us for this episode. As a recap, here are four key takeaways for managing resistance. One, resistance is already present in the population. Turf managers are not creating resistance. Two, know the different modes of actions available and rotate them. Turf managers have the responsibility to understand and accomplish the goal of rotating and alternating solutions. Three, resistance is a serious problem that runs deep. And four, proactive methods help prevent widespread problems. To send Dr. Schneider and the Herald's Turf Dudes team your questions or comments or to be featured on an upcoming episode, reach out to us at Turf Dudes on Twitter or by email at turfdudes at heralds.com. You can subscribe to us on iTunes and Google Play Music or tune in directly at www.turfdudes.com. Send us your questions to at Turf Dudes on Twitter or by email to turfdudes at heralds.com. Turf Dudes is spelled T-U-R- P-H-D-U-D-E-S.